Hey everybody, welcome back to Explain Like I'm Five, the podcast where we take the questions you always wanted to ask and talk about them in a way that's easy to understand. We are your hosts. I'm Tim. I'm Kevin. So Kevin, today we're talking about the food pyramid, and many people have heard of it, but can you explain to the listeners what exactly the food pyramid is? Sure. So the food pyramid is a chart that shows us the different types of food that we should eat and how much of each type we should eat. It's called a pyramid because it's shaped well like a pyramid with the foods that we should eat the most of at the bottom and the foods that we should eat the least of at the top. Sounds pretty simple. So what are the different levels? So the first level, the bottom layer of the pyramid is made up of grains like bread and rice and pasta. The second level, uh, is made of uh, fruits and vegetables. The third level going up is made of dairy products like milk and cheese. And the top level is made of things like uh, proteins like meat, fish, and beans. I see. Now, how did the food pyramid all come about? When was it invented? And can you explain the origins of it? Oh, yes, yes. This is all very important. Uh, the food pyramid was developed by the United States Department of Agriculture in 1992, and it ran until 2005. And it was intended as a simple visual guide to help people understand the types and quantities of food they should be consuming as part of a healthy diet. The food pyramid was based on recommendations from the Dietary Guidelines for Americans, which are actually updated every five years by the USDA and the Department of Health and Human Services. So didn't it exist in a different form before the 1990s? And also, I heard it was originated from some other countries like Sweden. Oh, yes, yes. So the Swedish reference is because there were high food prices in 1972 and the Sweden did something really interesting. The Their National Board of Health and Welfare was one of the first to develop the idea of basic foods that were both cheap and nutritious and something else called supplemental foods that added nutrition missing from the basic foods. Mm. But, you know, even in the United States before the food pyramid, um, the USDA had used a variety of different food guides, including something called the uh, Basic Four Food Groups in the 1950s, and then something called the Food Wheel in the 1970s. The Food Pyramid finally was an attempt to simplify all of this and update these earlier guides for the general public. And the pyramid, it was a big success. It became so widely used in the United States and was even adopted by many other countries around the world. Yes, I guess it was successful in large part because of how many people knew about it. The campaign to get awareness was was really um, a very strong one. But there have been some criticisms of the food pyramid over the years. Indeed. There has been quite a lot of criticism, I would say, that the food pyramid and other government-developed nutrition guidelines may have been influenced by the food industry and certain agricultural lobby groups. Now, critics argue that these groups may have sought to influence the recommendations, well, in order to promote the sale of their, you know, types of food and, and, uh, and products. I see. Um, so, you know, for example, some people, they say that the food pyramid's emphasis on grains may have been influenced by the interests of the grain industry, while others have pointed out that the dairy industry may have had a pretty strong role in the inclusion of dairy products in the pyramid. Mm. Um, milk companies have been accused of influencing the USDA into making the colored spots on the newly created food pyramid you know, a little bit larger for their particular products. And the milk section has been claimed to be the easiest to see out of the six sections of the pyramid. 
you know, from far away, making individuals believe that uh, more milk should be consumed on a daily basis compared to others. How about criticisms about the actual health effectiveness of it? Oh, yes, yes. That's the most important part. Uh, there have been critiques about this, too. So the fats group as a whole has been put at the tip of the pyramid, at the top layer, right? Under basically the direction to eat as little as possible, which actually some people have considered this view to be problematic. Uh, also, some of the recommended quantities for the different types of food in the old pyramid are not that clear. For example, the pyramid recommends two to three servings from the protein-rich group, but this is intended to be a maximum. But the pyramid also recommends two to four fruit servings, which is what intended to be the minimum. So it's just a little confusing. And then there is the hamburger question that people ask. Oh, yes, yes. This is a fun one. Um, certain dietary choices that have been linked to heart disease uh, such as an eight ounce, you know, serving of hamburger daily were actually technically permitted under the pyramid guidelines. People like to point out that even though we know hamburgers are generally pretty unhealthy, they technically contain everything on the food <laughs> pyramid. You know, <laughs> they got the grains from the bun, the veg uh, lettuce, the veggies, uh, fruit and the tomatoes, the dairies, the cheese and the meats, the beef fatty. I see. So... In 2005, there was a change. What happened in 2005? Yes. Uh, so the food pyramid was finally revised back in 2005 to become something called My Plate, which is a much more simplified and importantly flexible guide that shows the different food groups as actually a plate divided into different sections rather than a pyramid. However, this successor to the food pyramid has yet to become really publicly well known, with some surveys showing that uh, three out of four Americans have no idea what the government's My Plate Dietary Guide even is. Well, at least our listeners will have some idea of what My Plate is and uh, know to go look that up. Did you learn something new? If you did, send us an email. We are at eli5thepodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you, especially when you have comments and suggestions for us. If you are a regular listener of this podcast, please do take the time to go leave us a review or a rating on Apple iTunes because it helps other listeners to find this podcast. As always, thank you to the community at r slash explain like I'm five, and we will see you all next week.